Great. Okay, let's get into the Word together. We're going to look at uh, Second Chronicles in a minute. Uh, Stuart's got um, a few verses to put up for us, which I will uh, I will share in a minute. But quick recap on last week before we get there. Uh, I opposed um, on the theme of the nation for the nation and the generations. Um, I think you know we can be nationalistic uh, or patriotic. Um, I've got family members who are really passionate about Scotland, like really passionate about Scotland. And uh, I mean, I, listen, I think Scotland's a beautiful country. Um, but I think though about that passion for the nation, we can sometimes get our emphasis wrong in that we can, we can look at our passion for the nation of Scotland for the sake of Scotland. And I want to invite us to think about, let's have a passion for Scotland for the sake of the kingdom. Because it's different. It's different. And so I posed a few questions on the theme of the nation and generations. And I said, how much impact does your personal faith have on the nation? And I didn't say just because we're part of a Christian church or part of a Christian family, how much does our faith have? So where is the Christian voice in Scotland? It's pretty quiet. Where is the national church voice in Scotland? Pretty quiet. We might argue as well that they're going through a hard time. Um, but I, I didn't mean that. What I mean is, where, what about your personal faith? How much impact does your personal faith have on this nation? Because we have a history of individuals who have transformed nations. And this book we're reading, uh, the 12 individuals, they transformed their locality and at times their nation because of their faith, because of the substance of their personal faith. So how much does, how much impact does your faith have? And here's the question, how much could it have? What do you believe about your personal faith? What do you believe it could do uh, for the nation? That excites, when I look around the room, it excites me because I think that, including myself, I think sometimes we can think too little of what God could do through us because we think it's only me. And we're going to look in the coming weeks, God is going to use people that are out on the fringe or not in a position of authority and they transform the nation. So no pressure. But let's embrace the challenge. Second question, how much, does your, how much impact does your personal faith have on the generations? And when I say that, not just your peers. I think we are all good at mixing with people of our generation. And we can say, well, I can have an impact there. And I want to encourage you that you can have an impact across every generation. Absolutely. How much impact does your personal faith have on the generations? And the question that follows is, how much could it? What do you believe? Just so we can think about our personal faith and how it can transform those around us. As a Baptist church and as a, we might say, a, in, in a post-Reformation emphasis church context, we, we know Ephesians 2. Ephesians 2 verse 8, you don't need to go there. What does it say? For you are saved by grace through faith. It is not of yourselves. It is God's gift so that no one can boast. The emphasis in that is it's God's activity through us. And that for me, I love that because it just reminds me that I'm not 
as George has brought. I'm not striving to change a nation. I am resting and trusting and yielding to God doing work through me to change a nation. I think that's a fundamentally different way to look at it and a helpful way. No one can, can boast. And so that means when we look at again at these circles that we touched on, this lovely tape on the floor, we, we, we're reminded that we are brought into God's family because of Christ and our response to him. Uh, welcomed into what we might call that first circle. We touched on this last week that, that if you're not part of the church yet, Romans 5 paints this incredible picture for us that you are children of Adam and when you come before Christ and you embrace Christ, John 1 says that we are embraced into the family of God. We are adopted as children. So you cross the threshold of being part of the created world. For God so loved the world. Does God love people beyond this? Yes, that's why Christ came. But does God want people to take that step? over the threshold into relationship with Christ? Absolutely, because that's what we're created for. So that threshold, Romans 5 paints the picture uh, of children of Adam. Romans 6 goes into children of God. And there's a difference. This dynamic of being saved from something and saved to something. So every single person in the room this morning that has come to that point and said, you know, and like myself, I don't fully understand, but I see something of Jesus that has captivated me and drawn me to step over that line to say, okay, I'm yours. You're my Lord and my Savior. I don't fully understand everything, but I'm going to go on this journey. Teach me and show me. Saved from being separate from God. Now, the Bible paints that in pretty stark pictures. It says in Romans 5, saved from the wrath of God. Ephesians 2, verse 3, saved from the wrath of God. Brought into the family of, of faith. So saved from that. Saved to. What are we saved to? This is where it gets exciting for me. I think about this uh, a lot. And just this dynamic of we have a new life. Who remembers their old life before they came to know Christ? Who remembers the, the, the complexity and challenge of that? Anyone? Maybe for some of you, maybe for some of you, you've always been in a Christian context, and that's, that's great. Praise God. But for, for others who, who, who didn't embrace it until they were older, saved to a new life, as we said, adopted into God's family as a child and an heir. What does that bring for us? Eternity secured. It means that I don't, we talked about this at a, a funeral uh, two weeks ago. Embracing Christ enables us to live well and to die well. I don't worry about what comes next. That isn't to say that we don't have questions about the actual moment of dying, and that can be for some people. I think about Helen's Auntie Jessie. She was 83, 93, even, even more dramatic for the story, 93, full of health she got up one night to go to the bathroom and on her way back to bed that was her gone just gone and and so for some people death just comes before they even realize 
That's why it's so important that we know where we are in Christ. For some people, as, as many of you have journeyed through, it's not as simple as that. It's not as easy as that. Sometimes it's quite hard. Sat with somebody that I love uh, who said that they weren't worried about uh, death, but they were nervous about dying. Totally get that. Totally get that. But here's the thing. We are, if you're in Christ, your eternity is secure. And here's the other thing. So you're saved to that, to that hope, but we're also saved to live differently now. And that's what takes us through the scripture of the year. All those who are led by the Spirit are God's sons and daughters. We can live by the Spirit differently. Last week, we looked at uh, 2 Chronicles 10, verses 16 and 17, which was, in essence, let me just summarize it rather than read it. It was the Frank Sinatra moment. There's a few of them in the Bible of, I'll do it my way. Uh, interesting song, lovely melody. Not sure about the, the words uh, as I grow older. Um, but that dynamic of everyone just going to do things their way. And then we looked at chapter 12, uh, verses 1 to 5. We're going to revisit, I think, that uh, again today. The result of that was that the nation was in turmoil. Let's go there, actually. Second Chronicles. I think we've got it there, Stuart, haven't we? Verses 1 to 5. Thank you, sir. So this is Solomon's son. The nation has been divided. It's been split. There is turmoil all over the nation. And here is an example of... Uh, I did it my way. When Rehoboam had established his sovereignty and royal power, he abandoned the law of God. Isn't that just the way that when we can get comfortable and we can get everything sorted, sometimes we can step back and let our hand off uh, pursuing God to our utmost. There's a danger, and it's something we always have to be mindful of. Rehoboam, he abandoned the law of God, he and all Israel with him, because they were unfaithful to the Lord. Here's the consequence of that. In the fifth year of King Rehoboam, uh, King Shishak of Egypt went to war against Jerusalem with 1,200 chariots, 60,000 cavalrymen, and countless people who came with him from Egypt, Libyans, uh, Sukim, and Cushites. He captured the fortified cities of Judah and came as far as Jerusalem. Then the prophet Shemaiah went to Rehoboam and the leaders of Judah who were gathered at Jerusalem because of Shishak. And he said to them, and here's such an important verse. This is what the Lord says. You have abandoned me, therefore I have abandoned you to Shishak. Massive verse. The nation's in turmoil. I would argue that the sad reality is that we as a nation are in the same place today as a, as a nation. Everyone has established their own way. Nation of individual Frank Sinatra moments. Now we can't blame Frank Sinatra. He's not responsible for this. But that song captures something of the heart of mankind, of humankind. So we can't, we can't blame him. But it is where it is. We're a product of a generation that wasn't raised in God's image, and they're now raising the next generation in whose image? Their own. And here we have Rehoboam is exactly the same. And here's the thing. It feels good for a while. Why? Because we're feeding the flesh. But then in time, 
the toll begins to show, and we see that with Rehoboam, things begin to unravel. Fruit is born in our lives no matter what we do. How we live, we're going to bear fruit. We are fruitful creatures. The problem is, or the challenge is, what kind of fruit are we going to bear? Massive question, beautiful question. And the fruit of Rehoboam's reign and the nation at the time is obvious. We get war and oppression. We get this, what we would call or know as the Antichrist spirit. Um, even back then, the Antichrist, that sense of the, 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 the spirit of God and the, the opposite. We get that. And the fruit of the kingdom is not love. Think of the fruit of the spirit. That song, love, joy, and peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Thank you, Helen. Uh, almost lost it at the end there. Woo, that could have been embarrassing. Um, the fruit of, this, of the Antichrist, the world, is not love but conflict, not joy but angst, not peace but strife. Can you look at our world, even our nation, and see is there evidence of that? Absolutely. Sadly, has there been evidence of that in the church? Absolutely. Why? Because even in the church, people have let go of God. Thankfully, not in this place. We're in a strong season and we praise God for that and we have to hold to him above all else. People in our day, same on a national level. What about on a personal level? Let's look at the nation. The mental health crisis is, is as bad as it's ever been, if not worse. We've got potentially an impending famine. Have you noticed that in the news? They're talking about the Ukraine crisis is going to potentially yield a famine for the nations. We've got disease of all different kinds, diseases that come through nature, diseases that come because mankind is manipulating diseases. That's coming out more and more over the past couple of years. There actually are places where they are deliberately manipulating viruses. It's incredible. They're keeping it quiet, but it's incredible. And then we've got natural disasters. Who felt the earthquake in Oban yesterday morning? Did anybody, know, did anybody know that had happened? I thought it was thunder, quarter to nine in the morning. Soroba, cent, the central point was Soroba. Things are, there's movers and shakers in Soroba, literally. Incredible. Natural disasters have always been, but they're evidence, I believe, of that disconnect with, with God. And then, of course, we have the climate issue. The climate issue is, in part, I would argue, yes, people's mismanagement of resources in the world, but also the world has abandoned God. Products of, of all that. So, but here's the phrase that we love, but God. We love that phrase in here, but God. Everyone say, but God. Because the thing is, it's that thing, doom and gloom, you know, agony and despair. Come on, Stuart, where's the encouragement? Well, let's let God bring the encouragement in. Let's always speak the reality, but always champion what God can do. Why do we love God so much? That's an open question that you all have maybe several answers for. I would say in part because he is stubborn and resolute in his determined will to see a remnant repent through all of history. God took his portion and he was determined, Israel, that he would see them through. They go through hard times, they lose their way, yes, but he is determined. 
beautifully resolute in his determination to see a remnant repent, return, rise up, and raise up. If you're writing anything down this morning, write these four things. Repent, return, rise up, and raise up. So I'm going to ask you a question to consider for this week coming on those very things. Generation after generation, the Bible shows this, and we're entering into this phase of life now in the chronology where we're going to be roller coaster rides of they're doing well, oh, not, not, they've totally messed it up. Oh, they're doing well, oh, not, they've totally messed it up. And this is just how it's going to be. And it was determined by one key thing, which we'll come to in a minute. Time and time again, repeated patterns. They repent of losing their way. They return to God and his ways. They rise up and embrace God, and then they raise up a generation beyond them. But then what happens? They fall away again. Here's the thing. One consistent factor in every single aspect is that it all started. The repentance, returning, rising up and raising up, all started with what? One voice. One voice. Now, I can't think of, I haven't been exclusively, I haven't been, what's the word? What's that word when you exhaustive i haven't exhaustively tested this but i would propose that this is the majority if not the total one voice makes a difference every time when they have got to their lowest point every rising up and raising up starts with one heart willing to repent and return and sometimes like today we're going to see in chapter 15 if we can get to it quickly and sometimes it is someday in a position of authority and power, influence. But more often than not, and we'll see this over the coming weeks and months, more often than not, it was some random punter, very Scottish way of saying it, some random punter out on left field that God raises up and prompts and says, right, on you go. And, uh, and so that's where we come in. <laughs> now, yes, I'm a minister here, but do I have a voice on a national platform? Well, we're on YouTube. But do I have a voice on a national platform? Not really. So I count myself as a random punter on the fringe that God can do something with. And I also count all of us. I hope you don't take offense at me calling you a random punter. You're beautiful random punters. It, one person, one person, more often somebody on the, on the sidelines, someone like a Sam, like a Beth, like a David, a Maureen, like a Mary, not what you think about yourself that matters it's what God thinks about what he can do through you that matters amen someone willing to stand up take a vocal verbal and public stand and so we're going to step into this phase in the prophets where we're going to see this happen but before we get there we're going to see what's happened what's possible and what can happen when a nation turns back to God. We're going to look at 2 Chronicles 15, and I'm almost out of time, so I'm going to read this, and then we'll just draw out some nuggets from this to see what is possible when this happens. 15 verses 1, the Spirit of God. Where is the source of this transformation? Those four words, the Spirit of God. It's not just somebody, like, like George was sharing, not just somebody striving, but the source is the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God came on Azariah, son of Oded. So he went out to meet Asa and said to him, 
Asa and all Judah and Benjamin, hear me. The Lord is with you. Now listen to these words. The Lord is with you when you are with him. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you abandon him, he will abandon you. What does that prompt you to think? I need to hold to God. Verse 3. For many years, Israel has been without a true, the true God, without the teaching priest and without instruction. But when they returned to the Lord God of Israel in their distress and sought him, what happened? He was found by them. In those times, there was no peace for those who went about their daily activities because the residents of the land had many conflicts. Nation was crushed by nation and city by city, for God troubled them with every possible distress. Now, you can read that how you will. I understand that at times God being intentional, but I would say more often than not, God stepping back and saying, you want to go that way? Go that way. You'll see the fruit of going that way. And when you realize that was the wrong way, I'm here. When you seek me, you will find me. So God's always faithful, even when people are, are not. Where did I get to? Um, nation crushed by nation, city by city. For God troubled them with every possible distress. But as for you, be strong. Don't give up. Where have you heard those words before? Let's go back to Joshua. Go back to Moses. Be strong and courageous. Be strong. Don't give up for your work has a reward. Turn to the person beside you and say, your work has a reward. Your work has a reward. You've got to believe that, folks. You've got to believe that. What we do for God always has a reward. When Asa heard these words and the prophecy of Azariah, son of Oded, the prophet, he took courage and removed. And here's what had happened. They had gone from God. Solomon had started it uh, with real momentum. They removed the abhorrent idols from the land, the whole land of Judah. They were worshipping loads of different gods. It was a multicultural, multi-faith place. And it's not popular today to push back on that. But I think God tells us we have to take a stand and say, God is the, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by him. If we believe that, then we cannot tolerate um, a land that is filled with, with this. How do we deal with it? We don't uh, beat people over the head. We don't set fire to things. We put a hand out. We say, let me tell you about Jesus. Let me tell you about the way, the truth, and the life. We do, what we do for others what was done for us. The hand of invitation, come. Come and know this Jesus. Come and know him as he is. Uh, so destroyed all the, they removed all the abhorrent idols from the whole land of Judah. Uh, Benjamin from the cities he had captured in the hill country of Ephraim. He re uh, renovated the altar of the Lord that was in the front of the portico of the Lord's temple. They then move in, for time's sake, I'll just summarize this. They then moved into a time of gathering together and they sacrificed. Now, if you love animals, I'm sorry to read this, 700 cattle, 7,000 sheep and goats. Where did they get that from? From the plunder, from all the things that they had received over the years. What is your substance? Bring it to God. Offer it to God. If you've got loads of sheep and goats, don't bring them in here. Uh, that's not what I'm saying. Um, 
that would make things really interesting. Here's verse 13. I promise we wouldn't dance around the challenging verses when we do our chronology. Here's verse 13. Whoever did not seek the Lord God of Israel would be put to death. Young or old, man or woman. Now, I don't know how to deal with that verse in our contemporary culture. And I'm not going to advocate that you go out and do it this, anything like that. Um, I think that with the coming of Christ and the coming of the Spirit and the, and the way of Christ, I think that the, the, we're in a different season. And I want to say, thank you, Lord. But here we have that. And then verse 14, they took an oath to the Lord in a loud voice with shouting and trumpets and with ram's horns. All Judah rejoiced over the oath. Imagine. Let's just trans translate that word over or switch it. All of Scotland. All of Scotland rejoiced over the oath. What was the oath? They swore it wholeheartedly. They had sought him with all sincerity and he was found by them. What happened as a consequence of that? Thank you, George. Your prayer uh, that you shared during the week is tying into songs that I hadn't, like Be Still for the Presence of the Lord, tied into what you brought. This last portion ties in, so the Lord gave them rest on every side. That's what happens when people turn back to God. I'm out of time. I'm gonna just touch on this next week because uh, I think there's important things. Let's unpack next week those four different dynamics, repenting, returning, rising up, and raising up. We'll revisit that. But I want just you to think about this question as we go from this place. If you imagine a slight sliding scale of repentance, the moment that you come to faith, returning, so it's like acknowledging my life doesn't measure up to God's perfection, it can't. So I need to respond to Christ. I embrace the fact that he is perfect and I am not. That changes who I am. I've returned to God. I'm gonna rise up and walk out my faith. And then beyond that, I'm gonna raise up others. Where are you on a sliding scale? And I'm asking this of myself, and I'm really challenging myself to say, am I at the point where I've repented and returned and I've just stayed there? Again, it's that plateau dynamic. Am I rising up in faith to walk it out in life? Maybe you're there. Here's the question. What comes from that? Am I raising? others as well because that's massive that's how faith goes from i'm going to be okay to we're going to be okay and that's where it goes from we're going to be okay to they're going to be okay we look at our community so take that question say to the lord right lord lead me lead me on in Jesus' name.